Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, today's show is going to be a little bit different. Some hosts, who shall remain nameless, are probably off uh, watching the Super Bowl while they should be recording a show. So instead, what you're going to get is a second part of a transfer recap uh, from me and Dave Hendrick. The first half of this show can be found on Anfield Index or at Anfield Index or on the Anfield Index app. Uh, Again, we're going through all 20 teams. We already covered Arsenal through Liverpool, so here we'll be covering City through West Ham. (laughs) Dave, always great to have you on if if people are trying to find him at Dave Hendrick underscore on Twitter, but I think he's uh, locked still. Yeah, I, you, you don't want to follow me, and I don't want more <laughs> followers. It's too much hassle. It's too many people to talk to. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but, uh, again, check that out. I think it's the another podcast, and that's where you can find part one. Of course, we'll kind of post them together. Um, Dave, we already covered uh, the first half of these guys, so we're going to run through the second half and then kind of wrap up with uh, who we think had the best window, worst window, stuff like that. Um, but we'll pick up where we left off here with Manchester City, uh, their incomings. Uh, the big one, obviously, I'm Rick Laporte or Laporte, uh, depending on how people feel about it, um, goes to Manchester City. They obviously failed to get the Alexis thing. We talked about him in the Arsenal segment. Does end up going to United, so that's a big whiff. They miss on Mares on the last day of the window uh, for a deal reported to be $65 million plus Patrick Roberts, which you and I were talking on the other half. Uh, mm. Lester very much should have taken. Um, but they come away from this window with Laporte, who they can play as a left-sided uh, center back with whoever they think is the long-term option. I think this clearly means they don't believe in company long-term. They also bring in Harrison, who was the number one draft pick in the MLS draft two years ago now, I think. Only $4 yeah. million. They buy him, immediately loan him back out. So Laporte stands as the only meaningful in for them. Uh, is there even really much point in elaborating on this, considering City are just walking on their way to the title? Or does this mean that they have a better chance of even walking to it again next season? Yeah, it probably it probably does sets them up really because the long term will be him and Stones. Mendy is going to be back next season as well at left back. So I mean they've locked down for the long long term the two centre back spots and the left back spot now. Plus they've got a great young goalkeeper and Kyle Walker's what twenty seven twenty eight. So he's got four or five years of good football in him. So they've really just solidified the defence now moving forward. Um, it, it's a good move. He can play in the Champions League, so I mean, it, it gives them now the possibility of that of that that rare double, Premier League and Champions League. I think mm. that's why they've made the move now, more for the Champions League because they've the, the league is over. Like they have the league won. I, I like this move. I think it's a club record as well. So it's it's pressure. But you saw him in his debut. Looked fantastic. The pitch. I looked like he'd been there for years. Like mm-hmm. he he'll fit the Premier League. Because even though he is a ball-playing defender, he's, he is tough, he's good in the air. Needs to recover a little bit of his pace. Has has been having a little bit of problems getting his pace back after a couple of injuries. But this is this is a top-end defender, and, and City have done well to get him in. Yeah, and I understand why people are complaining about um, City spending so much in defense. But as, as we've noted on the main show with Richard, City had neglected their defense for years before finally getting their wingbacks this year, the centerbacks a couple years before, um, with Mangala and Odomendi and Stones kind of in consecutive windows. Um, and you look across the board, and you know you have Aubameyang going to Arsenal, 
for $55 million. You have the Alexis and, and McTarian swap. 50, $57 million, which is what Laporte is reported to have gone for, is not a crazy amount in this window anymore. I mean, we bought Devinson Sanchez, who is not where Laporte is yet, although I think he may surpass him in the long run. Devinson is just incredible. <clears throat> but uh, this is not crazy to me. I, I know that a lot of us like to beat City with the, with the money stick, but I'm not sure that's applicable here. No, I don't think it is here either. And, you know, I saw people say about even the Mares thing, where, oh, like, Sané's out for six weeks, and, oh, they've tried to spend $65 million on Mares. They'll have to just survive with, with Bernardo Silva. And that's such crap, because what they're doing is they're trying to set themselves in a position to go and win everything. They don't just want to win the Premier League. Like, they are on course to win everything this year. They're in the League Cup final. They're still in the FA Cup. They're one of the, I would say, two favourites for the Champions League along with PSG. And they're walking away with the Premier League. This is very, very smart. And you mentioned Harrison. They Bringing in guys like him, that sets them up long term. Like, look at Zinchenko. He came in, a couple, like, what, 18 months ago mm. as a player to develop. He went on loan. He's back. Now he's, he's giving them minutes at left back. Um... The guy they tried to use in the Maris deal, Patrick Roberts, another one they bought young and they're developing. So they're doing it in both ways. They're buying for now. They're buying for long term. A signing like Laporta isn't just for now. It's for the next eight years, you know. So people can hit them with the, oh, they spent 50 million on a left back. Yeah, and now they have a left back for eight years because Mendy will be there for a long term. The same with Ederson. Oh, it's a world record fee for a goalkeeper. Great. Their goalkeeping position sorted for a decade. What club doesn't want that? Right. Like, it, it's it's maddening to me that people put Chelsea, put City in the same bin as Chelsea as, and, and PSG as this short-termism, you know, just spending, spending, spending. They're spending well in important areas for the long term. Yeah. And as a Tottenham can, can fan, just- watching the other members of the top six yelling at City for spending when our net spend is like 0.2 million under Levy's tenure is hilarious to us. <laughs> when like United and City are having fights over who overspends more on players. And we're just like, F- really? Because Davinson Sanchez is our club record signing. Uh, and that was this year. So it just kind of feels a little silly. And as Richard mentioned on our last show, we're, n- we're supporters of clubs. We're not supporters of accountants. Um, and so I don't really uh, buy into the whole hatred um, on what City have done thus far. And now we're going to move on to Manchester United. Uh, we already covered the Alexis thing in part one and his swap deal uh, with Henrik Mkhitaryan. Uh, they're only outs of real note. Uh, Wilson and Twanzebe, both of whom are or were highly touted prospects. Wilson a little bit less so of late, but Twanzebe looks a fine young defender in the making. Um, we'll just touch on Alexis on the Manchester United side. Has not had the best of starts, although he did have two assists, I think, in his debut no shots uh, on target, no chances created against Tottenham in this most recent match. Although, I think he's only scored against us once since moving to Arsenal, uh, and we do have a good defense. Uh, just overall, where do you think he fits into this United side, and uh, how do you see this going for them for the rest of this half season? I think it's a, a strange fit. I think it's a buy that's done just for the sake of buying, because, like... <clears throat> Anthony Martial, in my view, is one of the most talented young strikers 
or young attackers in the world. Agreed. People forget and, that he was Mbappe before Mbappe was. Exactly. And it's only because Mbappe has has exploded the way he has that Martial is sort of overlooked. And, like, I'm not as high on Marcus Rashford as a lot of people. I don't think he's in the class of Mbappe like Gary Lineker appears to think. But I do think he's a very talented young player who could become a better version of Jamie Vardy. You know, and that may be harsh on him, on him and it might be harsh on Vardy, but I think that's the type of player he could become. Um, and that's a, that's a good player, in my view. That's a, maybe not, he's not your starting nine long term, but maybe he's the guy that, you know, can come off the bench and win you games or can start in multiple positions or whatever. I, I think he's going to have a very good career. And, you know, you, you're kind of shunning the two of them into the, the background by bringing in Alexis. Now, you can move either of them and play them in different positions, but that is their primary position, is that inside-left attacking position. And it just, you bring in an Alexis. And sure, Alexis is better than both of them now. But in two years' time, he's not going to be better than Martial because Martial is going to improve and Alexis will decline. And will Martial stick around for that, those two, three, four years to see out the Alexis era? I don't know. You could risk losing a player that goes elsewhere. Like, if Real Madrid are looking for a, a star young striker, Martial would make a ton of sense. Bring him there, put him back as a nine, which is what he wants to be, and develop him along with the likes of uh, Asensio and, and the other young players they have there. Um, so, and, you know, and like Benzema, I'm sure, would sell sell Martial on the move because he's had a great time there. So, uh, for me, it's a, it's a confusing one. It felt like United did it just to do it, just to kind of prevent City from having him, but. I, I don't know. I, the fit is weird for me as well because I don't see him and Lukaku being a particularly good fit. I think he's better with someone who's more mobile and a better passer of the ball. Um, Oli Giroud has been excellent because of his passing play and his hold-up play and Lukaku doesn't really offer you those things and he doesn't offer great movement, which Alexis has had in the past in his mm. career and done very well. Like Alexis did very well with Danny Welbeck. Right. And Danny Welbeck's game is all about movement and work rate and things. And again, Lukaku's not offering those things. So he's obviously going to score goals. He's obviously a fucking fantastic player. Like, he's top, top notch. I just don't know if it's the right fit. Yeah, I just think United are going for Galacticos West here. Um, get as many big name, big budget, uh, big marketability players as you can. And then just assume it'll work. And that's exactly why they lost to us um, midweek is it looked like a whole bunch of high-paid, high-profile players that were each trying to win the match on their own instead of working as a unit. Um, I think getting him for Just McTarian, who was basically already falling behind Jesse Lingard, is a very good bit of business. And we talked about in the first half that if you get the chance to get a good player, uh, you take it and figure it out later. Agree with you that part of this deal was taking it over Manchester City, although um, my whole confusion with him moving to City thing in the first place was that it will stunt one of Sané or Sterling, who very much could become better than Alexis is right now. Um, like with, It's debatable if Rashford or Lingard could, uh, but I think Sané and Sterling are both on that path. And I think you could have a case, if you were a City fan, that Sterling is as good as Alexis is already um, with, the, with the steps he's taken in the last 18 months. 
Uh, for Manchester United's window, um, probably give them like a B. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think they had other needs that they maybe could have addressed. I think they need someone else in midfield with Matic and... Although it's worth noting that they didn't know Fellaini was going to go down in that match as a backup for that. True, but he has been... He's been been injury-prone and inconsistent, and he's likely off in the summer... Herrera has been injury has been you know inconsistent and he's had a couple of injuries and I, I think he's out of contract in the summer as well so you know maybe that maybe the midfielder they what did they wanted wasn't out there but I mean Ross Barkley would have been a really good fit there yeah. Matic and Barkley with Pogba ahead you know Martial or, or now Sanchez on one wing and and you could play you could if you play Sanchez one side you could play Martial the other. Lukaku up top. Okay, it's not an ideal fit, and you're lacking certain things like real creativity, you know, on the outside. But it certainly would have been better than what looks like a bit of a hodgepodge. Like they looked awful against you guys. They really did. Once you guys got that like incredibly mm-hmm. early goal, they just look lost. They look like, like you say, a bunch of guys who had been thrown together and told figure it out. And the other concern is he's got a 500 grand a week contract. And Paul Pogba's agent is Mino Rayella. And I would imagine he's already made a phone call mm. and said, well, if Alexis is getting that, my guy wants that too. Exactly, yeah. And now you're getting into dangerous waters. And where... that's, that's where the City thing came from. And I was surprised that so many people blamed City for not spending money mm. there and then spending it on Laporte. Because it's the same reason Tottenham didn't get Ross Barkley. Is yeah. Because deadline day emphasizes the fee which doesn't go to the player. What goes to the yeah. player every week are wages, and wages. that's where a lot of the financial decisions are made. Well, look at it this way. Alexis is going to get 500 grand a week. That's a million pounds every two weeks, which is 26 million pounds over the course of a season. Lucas Mora, You guys got Lucas Mora <laughs> for less than Alexis will earn in the next 12 months at United. And to me... I think City were smart to say, okay, we could buy him. And City, look, if, if City had wanted him, City would have him. Let's not make any mistake here. If City wanted to pay the money, they could. But they would then have the same problem where they wanted to renegotiate with Kevin De Bruyne. If they're offering him 250 grand a week and then they bring in Alexis, he's going to go, oh, no, I want that deal. I don't want this one. I want that one. Leroy Sana will come up. He'll want that deal. Raheem Sterling, Gabby Jesus... Um, you know, David Silva, Bernardo, so these guys will all want that deal. Um, and that's the risk. And like you mentioned, for City, it would have been harmful to the progression of, of Sané and Sterling. And again, it, not the ideal fit because they want wide players and, ho- and Mourinho wants wide players. I think United would have been better off if they went and bought Perisic from, um, from Inter Milan because that's the wide player they wanted all along. Alexis is a fantastic player. To get the good player is always better to not get the good player. They've basically gotten him for free because they've just sent away Mkhitaryan. The risk is how ugly that contract could look in three years and the fact that you're going to have to match that contract for somebody else. Because if you remember, throughout the last five, six years, whenever they brought in a big money player... Wayne Rooney would all of a sudden need to leave the club because the club wasn't showing ambition until he got the contract matching. And that's a bad precedent to set. 
Yeah, and then, like you said, you're going to have Pogba, De Gea, and Lukaku at your door the next day. Um, we will move on to uh, Newcastle now, who had a busy, if not super great, window. Um, uh, Mikel Marino becomes a buy from the loan at the first half of the season. I think that's a very good signing by them. Kennedy comes on loan, not sure where he's going to play. Uh, Dubrovka, uh, just because they can't decide between uh, Rob Elliott and uh, Carl Darlow. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite things... Uh, in American football sayings, is uh, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. I kind of feel that way about goalkeepers here at Newcastle. They didn't. They had two goalkeepers, which means they didn't have any, and now they've just added a third. And it's the same with Liverpool. <laughs> Liverpool have three goalkeepers: Danny Ward, Loris Karius, and Simon Mignolet. But we don't actually have a goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. And if the question is Rob Elliott or Carl Darlow, the You're only the, wrong question. <laughs> the only acceptable answer is neither. Neither. Yeah. And yeah. it's not this guy either, with the greatest respect to him. It's not Martin Dubrovka. It yeah. just isn't. Um, I, I don't like their window bar. I love Moreno. I think get, uh, Moreno getting him long term, fantastic. A little bit surprised Dortmund allowed him to, to go so mm-hmm. cheap. Um, but I don't like the window, Kev. I, I, I think yeah, we, we, did, is... we did miss uh, Slomani before we get into full takes. Um, but yeah. Slomani, I, I think, is an interesting one. Um, I'm really torn. I think um, this could either really work and he could be who he was in Portugal or not at all. The reason I'm leaning either way there, Newcastle surprisingly are 11th in chances created this season, but are 19th in crossing. And that really seems to be where he he pads his stats are with those headers from those cross balls. And really nobody outside of Richie has really proven that they can do it at Newcastle this year. Yeah, and I mean, the, the thing is, like, and I, I was actually speaking to Jake Jackman about this the other day, and Jake was on, of the opinion that Newcastle's style would suit him better than Leicester's style. And I don't agree, because what Leicester have been great at is quick counterattacks and getting the ball wide and getting it in the box. And that's what Sporting With Lisbon Albright did. With and Mahrez and... and uh, exactly, and Gray. later Damari Gray. And if you look at, we, we talked about Achoya on the last part when we talked with Brighton, like, that was the role they thought Slimani would come in and take. They'd take his role, and it it just didn't work. And like you say, Newcastle don't cross the ball all the way. Now, Kennedy will, will hopefully help with that, and obviously you'd expect to see more of, of Murphy. Um, and he's a good crosser of the ball. So maybe they are looking to do that, but I just... Like, I feel really bad for Rafa Benitez here because... There's been talk for, what, now, three months that Newcastle were going to get taken over and there'd be a big spend this summer. Mm-hmm. Then the, the buyout falls falls through. And then there's this story that Benitez has been given the green light to bring players in. Now, if you hear that about any other club, you assume he's been given the go-ahead to go and spend and buy players. But he hasn't. He's been forced to go and knock around for loan deals. And, yeah, like, I mean... Maybe they're paying all the wages on Kennedy, Slimani, and Dubravka, and and that's fine. Maybe that comes to a combined total of a hundred grand a week. Maybe, but like what they also did was they loaned out like ten players, and I'm fairly yeah. certain that the combined wages of those guys cover the combined wages of these three they've brought in. Yeah, Armstrong, so, Mitrovic, Saive, and Aaron's all go out on loan. Yeah, and and you know, and a bunch of kids as well, and. Like, it's just, it's such a hard thing to watch a great club like Newcastle with an incredible fan base and a brilliant manager who is very dear to me as a Liverpool fan. But, you know, to watch them have to go through this because Ashley is too mean to spend any money. 
And I mean, he's talked about himself as being very wealthy, but not willing to spend at the the level of a City or a Chelsea. Mm. And that's fine. No one's asking you to. But spend at the level of Huddersfield or fucking Brighton. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Spend some money. Genuinely. Buy some players and keep yourself in the Premier League. Because if you go down and there's a real, real chance you will, your asset is now worth 70% of what it is worth now because you're not a Premier True. League team. Can I tell you a really crazy theory before we move off to Newcastle? Yes. It's and I think I saw one of you mention it in your chat that it's like he wants to be in the championship. I I think he wants to be in the championship. When he's in the so championship, attendance is higher. When he's in the championship, mm. fan morale is higher because they're winning. They won yeah. a title last year. It wasn't the Premier League title, but they oh. get a trophy. They the get the money from coming back to the demand. Premier League. Yeah, the, 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 that's it. The parachute payments. Mm-hmm. And not only that, Kevin. Here's my theory. If they go down, right? Mm. Let's look at their squad. None of the goalkeepers will go anywhere because no one will want them. But in right. defence, Jamal Lachalz will He's leave. He will not year. play. Yeah. Uh, Chancel and Bamba will want to go. I mean, he's not really first choice anyway, but he'll want to go as well. Mm-hmm. John Joe Shelby will want to go. Mikel Marino might want to go. And there is your big wages. And right. probably Matt Ritchie as well. He's probably on decent wedge. Mm. So there's your big wages and there's your big value players. And all of them will come and knock and say, we want to go, please. And while the value of the club might drop by 30%, it's going to be more than made up by the 30 million you'll get for Jamal Lachelles. Right. The 25 million for John Joe Shelby. The 15 million for Matt Ritchie. The 20 million you could easily get from Moreno given his talent. Mm. And the likes of Jacob Murphy that you've brought in last summer for 12 million will be very attractive to somebody at 15 to 18 million. So you're making, and you can just take that money, you put it from the club bank account (laughs) to your bank account because they're your players that you paid for and you own. And then you sell your club and you leave them without a pot to piss in. And that's my theory on what he's looking to do Mm -hmm. because they went down once. And they made an effort. They signed Shelby and they signed Townsend. And they kept most of their players. Yeah, and then they spent a lot of money when they went down. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he'll do that again. I think he'll sell, 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 and then sell the club. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, entirely possible. Um, for Newcastle's window, I give them... I'm going to give them a... I'll give them a C-. minus. They saved it on deadline day. Yeah, I'll give them a C as well, but only because it's Benitez. Otherwise, I think it is a D window. Yeah. Um I don't know that these players... I mean, look, Slimani is better than Jossalou. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and Dwight Gale, who's would, always been a winger. Yeah, and Dwight Gale, who's a really good championship player, but isn't really a Premier League striker. Um, mm. You know, so for that reason, I'll give them a C, because it, it they've they've done something, and Rafa's really working under incredibly tight constraints. Yeah, agreed. Um, now we'll move on to Southampton. Um, we'll talk about them a little bit later, um, but they bring in uh, Guido Carrillo for 19 million. They obviously sell Virgil Van Dyke. They let Matty Target go on loan to Fulham, which is a good loan developmentally, mm. um, where he'll probably play behind Ryan Sessegnon, but not in the way people think. Sessegnon is playing on the wing, um, yeah, and then Target will be he'll playing play at fullback on the wing now, and, and Target will exactly. Target, um, <laughs> It's like the whole trippier. Versus Aurier thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, I am, I'll, I'll just take the lead on this one because I am 
incredibly stunned that they had such a crap window. They bring in Carrillo, yeah. who has never scored more than eight goals in a season, which weirdly is the same uh, as Gabby Adini, who they signed last year. Also never signed more th- scored more than eight goals in a season. What is their scouting department doing? For a club known for bringing through players, known for their scouting department, known for getting their eye on young talent, how do they keep signing mid-20 strikers that have never scored more than eight goals? It's incredible. Shane Long has only done it like three times, I think, memory serves. Obviously, Charlie Austin at the club makes up for all of those, um, but he can't stay on the pitch. This is an incredible failure. Add on top of that the fact that they left Quincy Promise the last week. They thought they could yeah. get him for 25. Like, <clears throat> Spartak wouldn't be aware that they had all this Virgil van Dyke money sitting in their bank account. They come in for Lamella on deadline day with an offer of Lamina, which is interesting because Lamina, I do think, could be a long-term Dembele analog, although the upside is not very high. He's basically yeah. what he's going to be, which is a fairly good mid-level player. And I realize there aren't many players of the physical mold of Dembele. Lamina could fit that. I see where they were coming from. But the point is they get neither of them. Yeah. Right? They don't trust Tadic within their own team. They don't trust Buffal within their own team. They're relying on James Ward-Prowse. They're still relying on Stephen Davis in the midfield. Like, this is not a good situation. The only only upside of this window is that Jack Stevens gets more playing time because I think he's a legitimate talent. That is the upside of this. But you were talking about the Newcastle players going to be knocking on the door. How on earth? If you're a Southampton player that played last year under Puel, you see the success he's having at Leicester, and you've brought in Pellegrino, who is doing worse and somehow playing less attractive football when that was the issue with Claude Puel. How on earth are you going to convince these players to stay next year? I have no idea. He perennially sits their good players, plays the players that have been mediocre for years. He's somehow taken Nathan Redmond, who all he needed was a push. Nathan Redmond and Raheem Sterling, player ID-wise, are 10 degrees off each other. But because he's had never had a manager that could push him, he's turned into nothing while Raheem Sterling has become a world beater. Like, mm. this this is the level of talent they have there. They have Sophie M. Buffal, who I would have bitten your hand off for at Tottenham last season, has turned Same. into a bit of a nothing player there. You have Dusan Tadic, who is one of the best natural creators we have in the Premier League, doing nothing week in and week out. This is all a failure of Southampton from the club level, from the ownership down. This It is an incredible waste of talent. No wonder Virgil van Dijk wanted out. Why would you want to be at a club? You have Fraser Forster, who was supposed to be England's savior as a goalkeeper, and in 18 months, he's gone from who I thought he should have been England's number one to barely passable. The, the amount of regression in the squad is infuriating, and I'm not even a fan of that club. No, and neither am I. And I'm really, really annoyed at what they've done because they had set themselves the model. They were... Scouting well, recruiting well, developing well, selling well, and replacing well. And they were doing it brilliantly. They sold in one summer Luke Shaw, Callum Chambers, Adam Lalana, Diane Lovren, and Paul Lambert. And we're better the next year. I got better. Got better. And then they did it again. They got Toby Alderweireld on loan, couldn't keep him, got Van Dyke. That is how you do it. You mentioned the deal for Lamella. They only bought Lamina in the summer. They paid big money, and they're already willing to cut bait on him. Like, and he's one of the few that? players that's actually done something this year. Yeah, well, but what is that? What is that? He's been injured for a good chunk as well. So how have you looked at him enough to go, nah, he's not for us? And why? And here's the thing that bothers me, though, Kev. Right? 
there's a very there has been a very clear structure at Southampton where they have a director of football who has been in charge of transfers and the structure has remained the same as managers came and went. Pochettino came, went. Koeman came, went. Pule came, went. But the one thing that remained constant was Les Reed as director of football doing the transfers and doing them mostly well. And then Pellegrini arrived, or Pellegrino. I, I never remember which one it is. And the whole club is in chaos. Like you mentioned, Redmond has gone from a player who has been linked with moves to the top clubs to a guy who doesn't look like he belongs in the Premier League pitch. Sofian Buffal has gone from being an absolute stunner of a signing for them because he was wanted by lots of clubs in Europe to a bit part player. Dusan Tadic was wanted by at least 15 clubs around Europe the summer that Southampton bought him to, to replace Lalana, I might, remember, might add, and was fantastic for two years mm-hmm. and has just regressed now. Um, Gabby Adini came in house on fire last year. It was always, you know, that, that initial bump that certain strikers get. We've seen it with um, Demba Ba, Poppy Cisse, Nikola Jelovic. Some strikers come into the league, their, their style is a little bit different. It takes defenders a second look to see to, to get used to them. And because it's the second half of the season, they, they only face those defenders once each. So that defender's not really ready for what he offers. It's always something different. And again, like he's regressed massively. They've got Pierre-Emile Hoiberg, who, when he was at Bayern Munich, mm. they were talking about him as the next Stefan Effenberg. Now, for yeah. people that know Bayern, Stefan Effenberg was named in their greatest ever eleven. So that was huge, huge hype around him. Now, there was a stallness progression, but the thought was he'll go to Southampton, he'll do well, and Bayern are going to come and buy him back. That's what's going to happen here. Bayern will buy him back in two or three years for 30 or 40 million, and he'll be at Bayern then for the rest of his career. Now he looks like a fella who couldn't get in the Bayern Munich reserves team because he's regressed. Last season, Oriol Romeo looked fantastic. He was arguably the second best holding, third best holding midfielder in the league after Matic and Wanyama. Because before people jump me, N'Golo Kante is not a holding midfielder. He's a roaming destroyer. Mm-hmm. He can't hold a midfield to save his life. And he, Romeo looked fantastic. And there was a load of Liverpool fans saying, oh, we should buy him. Not because he's like a world beater, but because he's 15 or 20 million. And he had and he exactly what you needed. Exactly. The exact profile of what we needed can pass the ball and is, is very good defensively. And all of these players have regressed. They bought Jan, Be- Jan Bedronak in the summer as well, the young Polish defender, and um, answers on a postcard if anyone knows where he is or what he is currently doing because he's certainly not playing football. And they bought Wesley Hoyt, and he hasn't developed. And Guido Carrillo's just, uh, like, I'm sorry. Southampton fans, I'm really sorry. You have not bought a good player here. Mm-mm. He's distinctly average, is yeah. what he is. And here's the final point I'll make on them. Why are you being cheap on Quincy Promise? Yeah, they, all, all, all you have um, that money? the Russian club came back and said, they said 25, the Russian club said 35. And Southampton didn't bother saying 30. And here's the other thing, Kev. Look, you don't even need to give them 35. Give them 25. And if you do not want Deuce and Tadic, send him to them as well. Because mm-hmm. 
What was the reason the Russians wanted 35 million? Because to buy a player to replace Quincy Promise, it was going to cost them in that price range. But Dusan Tadic would replace Quincy Promise in that league. Yep. So, so you're basically getting rid of a player you don't seem to want, and this is a much better deal because, in theory, you could look to to, to Spartak and even say 20 million and, and Tadic or. 15 million in Tadic. Yeah, it'd be a low-level version of the Alexis Vermicterian deal. Exactly, exactly. And it's just, it's it's like, it's just really small time. And I'm going to insult Southampton fans now. It's the behavior of Portsmouth. Yeah, very harsh words from you, but I started this with harsh words, so I'm not going to argue with you. For Southampton, this is an F. Yeah, yeah, same, F. Yep. Uh, all right. Sorry, we're we're running a little slow, so we're going to try to pick things up here. Stoke bring in um, uh, Bauer, Stafelidis, who I don't know much about, and Ndai. I think Ndai is a sneaky option. He's contributed seven goals in every season in his career in Turkey, and he is not a young man. Um, exactly what they need. You can't be playing Charlie Adam every week. Jeff Cameron looked like he was going to be on the way out. Um, Stoke have improved. I don't know whether it's enough. Uh, but Paul Lambert has at least gotten the new manager bounce. Whether or not that'll last, I'm unsure. Um, but I think Stoke did a decent job. Uh, Bauer was obviously an upgrade on Glenn Johnson and teenagers yes. that they were rolling out at right back. Uh, and you and I talked before, the talent is is in this team. Mm. Not not high-level talent, not Southampton-level talent, but, you know, 10, 10 to 13-ish, um, yeah. and, and they well, should be fine. fine. Um, I think this is this is a decent summer. I think they made their manager change a little bit late, but it should be in plenty of time. I think they stay up. Uh, I give this one like a, a C plus. So here's the thing. Mm. Um, I'm giving this an A Ooh. purely because they finally bought a right back, <laughs> and that's it. Like, and Die is a good player. It's a good box to box midfielder who can add some goals to 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 their midfield. Like him and Joe Allen might be a nice uh, a nice yeah. mix there. Um, uh, Staffy Lattis is a, is a decent left back. Um, gives them another option at left back. Gives them some depth there. But just the fact that they finally because they let right Timon back, leave on loan. I, I forget to mention. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, he, he's gone. Where did he go? He went to. I don't remember. On I can't remember. Yeah, he went to a Championship club. I think on loan. But anyway, uh, they just they have badly needed a right back for two years now. And now they finally got one. And he looks pretty good from the early watch. I saw him, I think, twice for Kazan. And he looks solid. He looks like a solid to decent player um, who'll do well. Obviously, having Kevin Vimmer there will help because they play together for Austria. So that's 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 pretty good. Um, the, the one thing for me, though, is like Paul Lambert is just no. Just no. Not, mm. a, not a Premier League manager. Um, I agree with you that they, they waited too long to make the change. But then they rushed the appointment, and had they waited... Missed Silva by a week. They could have got Marco Silva, and how good would he do with this group of players? I'm giving it, like I say, it's kind of a fake A, but I'm giving them an A just because they bought a right back. Yeah, and I'm going with C plus for me. Um, Next up, we have Swansea. We had Gitto do a uh, live match day, um, (laughs) deadline day update. And I jokingly asked him if uh, Swansea's scouting department is just a guy locked in the closet... Uh, at the Liberty, just watching old Swansea matches. Um, because obviously they brought back Sigurdsson, they brought back Boney, now they bring back um, Andre Ayew. But the difference here 
is that Andre Ayew was what they need. Not the thing they needed most, which was a 10, mm. and they still didn't do that. But no. bringing in Andre Ayew means that you can either put Jordan back on one of the wings or you can play Andre Ayew on one of the wings. The weirdest yeah. thing they did was not bringing in Markovic. Because if you bring in Markovic, then you have Markovic and Jordan Ayew on the wings and Andre Ayew up front. That's your team. Write yeah. it up every week and just see it what happens. It seemed to me that Markovic was the, was the plan B to Ayew. So I wonder if it's just a case of they didn't have the funds. Could have been. Um, but I do agree. I mean... You know they've been lacking out wide. They let Jefferson Montero go on deadline day in the summer. Another player I, I didn't develop. Time, I'll ask Southampton. Yeah, that's it. But I said to you at the time, like they they need pace in wide play, wide areas. Even if he's not playing well, he's offering you something you don't have elsewhere. Um, the Rocky Messi loan thing weirdest let him go. So is, so is weird. Bugs me and. And to be honest, like, now here's the thing, I, I really like what they've done in terms of the manager because this guy knows how to set a defence up, knows how to make a team really hard to beat and the results have shown that. And, um, and um, this is less important than that, but the media are on his side already because of his crazy wackadoo quotes, which yeah, you should all funny, go and look like, up. Exactly, he's, he's funny. Fun. He seems, and he And he seems like really psyched to be at, at Swansea and... This mm-hmm. is a big chance for him. This is not a stepping stone. This is like he sees this as now I'm in the Premier League. I have achieved my goal of being in the Premier League and now my goal is I'm going to keep this team in the Premier League and I'm going to build with them. And I think he, he can do really well there, but I think he's going to need backing and maybe more backing than been given. I like yeah. IU. I didn't, I think I thought West Ham overpaid from him and I think Swansea have overpaid from him. But <laughs> obviously they, they've made a profit on this deal, so that's fine. Um, they, they sold him for 21, they've bought him for 18, so yep. that's, that's Plus good. inflation. <laughs> Plus inflation, exactly. So that 21 is probably 25 now. Um, but with the dip in the pound, it's like 22.6. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but they needed, they needed more. They did need they more. Did. Um, they probably needed maybe another center back. Uh, they really, what they really need is a kick on from Renato Sanchez. They yes. need him to really, really show what he can do. True. And, and he we could do a whole show. Better. We could do a whole show on players that Bayern has allowed to leave on loan or sold yeah. that didn't come good. Cause I'm, I'm telling you this right now. If Bayern call you offering a player, do not answer that phone. Yeah. That's, that's a hang up. Um, uh, they, they need one of Tammy Abraham or Wilfred Boney to, to remember. That they can score goals mm-hmm. because if they if that doesn't happen, they're going down. Yeah. We mentioned in the first half that Brighton had the league's worst attack. They're tied with Swansea with just fourteen yeah. goals. Yeah, and if like if if one of those two can find form, then they're sorted because you put the eyes on on opposite mm-hmm. wings, and you have them feeding. And maybe maybe it'll be Boney if he can just remember that he used to be really good. Yep. Uh, maybe it'll be Abraham. He looked like he might be finding a bit of form at one point. Um, maybe just put Alfie Moss in up front. He's the only one I'm confident can score goals. Yeah. And, I mean, Andy King might add some goals from midfield. He has scored goals in the past. But they need to figure it a way to start scoring more goals. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't think Ayu alone can do that. But uh, I give this window... I give it a C- minus because I do like the signing of Ayu. And I, I think Andy King's a solid enough player. Um, but I, they needed to do more, and I yeah. just think allowing Rocky Messi to go this early. I know it's only on loan; and they'll bring him back, but I, I think this will be the end for him there. Yeah, I, it doesn't generally happen that a player joins the clubs, gets loaned out six months later, and becomes comes back and and settles. Right. So 
maybe the end for him, but yeah. you know, it's, it just seems it seems premature. It was very strange. He was the best passer of the ball day one. He showed up at the club and just somehow never locked himself into the lineup there. McBurney and Fulton go on loan, both pretty talented young players. Uh, I'm giving this a D. I uh, <laughs> will wrap up at the end with uh, some um, superlatory uh, awards here, but uh, I think them not addressing their number ten hole is just an incredible failure uh, on mm-hmm. their part. And the fact that they couldn't bring in a right back um, because Naughton's been awful and Ankel Ronhell is about three years late to retirement. Um, yeah. I just think I think those are struggles. Because, listen, uh, Federico Fernandez and Alfie Mawson is not a bad center back pairing. I know people think of Swansea as being leaky, but they're especially not at home. And they're kind of not elsewhere. Um, no. They, they all those issues like come down the wings. They're back three. Mm-hmm. And if they were moving to a back three, then I do think they would have needed another centre-back. Because you could have figured it out. You could have found a way to to fix your wing-back problem. Agreed. You know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. It's, uh, it, one of I the mean, things that I, I kind of offered to get to, although he's pretty distrusting of Tottenham players at this point, considering <laughs> we've given them uh, Naughton and Carroll of late, um, but was Kyle Walker-Peters. At least get pace mm-hmm. at that position. And he looked yeah. very good in his Newcastle match. Um, so, yeah, I, I think just think that would have been a, a good deal for them. But I'm going with a D, right back in attacking midfield, desperately needed, not addressed. IU, decent signing, a little bit overpriced, but there were many other issues in this squad. Um, next up, Tottenham. Um, this is going to be pretty short. Uh, we brought in Lucas. That was the clear objective, um, was to bring in a right winger. Uh, we played Malcolm and Lucas against each other as long as we could in negotiations. Malcolm wasn't going to come in January and was going to be more expensive. Lucas could come in January and was Champions League eligible. Simple as. That's that's what happened. Yeah. Um, and obviously Lucas a little bit higher wages. Ends up only being £23 million. A reporter asked Pochettino how we got such a steal at $25 million, and he corrected him and said it was actually 23 So a little bit yeah. of Levy-nomics there for you. Um, I think this is one of the bargains of the window, although I'm not sure how much a role he plays this year, to be honest. I think no, we see him against the- Juventus. He's not playing this week against Liverpool, but it's very yeah. hard to take out any of the current players. But in the past, we've just had to roll through Della Ali's rough patches of form, and I think this means we don't have to do that anymore. It also opens the possibility, Kev, of moving Del Ali back into central midfield Ooh, next season. This could be a whole show on its own. I, I, I can see where you're coming you, from. If you can play him in central midfield and give him license to go forward because you're sitting him next to Victor Wanyama, who will hold that midfield all by him, his own self all day long, um, now all of a sudden you bring in real pace and real purpose into that front three, which is the one thing that front three has lacked, is real pace and purpose. Because... Ali is quick, but not he's not fast. Harry Kane, the one weakness in his game is his pace, really. Mm-hmm. And Eriksen, the same. Now you have the out ball. Now you have... you Because your defence is so good. It's the best yeah. in the league. When you're, you've everybody fit, your defence is the best in the league. There's no question about that. Now you can sit back. You get it... Right. Scenario. Spurs are playing any team in the world. Spurs get an early goal, right? Good luck. Good night. Good night and God bless. Spurs <laughs> will now sit back, come and beat us. Get by Wanyama. Oh, behind him, by the way, that's Toby Alderweireld, Davinson Sanchez, and Jan Vertonghen. Oh, but if you, you get, get past by... him... Yeah, that's Hugo Lloris. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. Oh, we've got... That's Serge Aurier at right back. That's Danny Rose at left back. They're both pretty good. Now, Rose might go in the summer, but that's not for tonight. But that's that's a hell of a unit. And if you can't get by them... 
we'll see that guy over there. That's Christian Eriksen. He's one of the best passers in Europe. So we're going to get the ball. We're going to give it to him. He's going to play it out wide. And that guy, you can't see running you, but you can see the blur. <laughs> That's Lucas Mora. Right. And what he's going to do is he's going to get down the field. He's going to cross the ball. And coming into the box is Harry Kane, one of the most lethal strikers in Europe. And Deli Ali, probably the best goal-scoring midfielder in Europe at the moment over the last couple of years. Like, How are you going to beat that? Yeah. This is a game changer for Spurs in the long term, I Agreed. believe. I think he will be first choice for them next season. I agree, probably not much of this season, but this, the important thing about getting him in now is he gets a free pass for five months mm-hmm. to learn the system, to get a, uh, acclimatized to Poch, yep. and to know what Poch expects. And it also frees Son up to be more of the backup nine slash backup creator rather than being asked to be the pace guy. This is great. This is great business by Spurs. And it just adds a whole new dimension. Mm. And it means that, like, he's now your backup. You know, he could be your starting right winger, like I say. Yeah. Ali goes to midfield. That's two new dimensions to this team because it's a real goal scorer from midfield as well, which you have been lacking a little bit. But not only that, Kev, I mean, people have to look at this. You get Toby back, Wanyama's back, Rose mm-hmm. is back. He's going to find form soon. Lamella is back. And you're only two points off the top four. Yeah. And Three here's, points here's off the kicker, second, Kev. I think, if goal difference goes kick, away. Here's the kicker, Kev. You haven't played a home game all season. Every <laughs> single game every single game is an away game because Wembley's not your home. Yeah, and, I heard somebody style... refer to it the other day as White Hart Lone, which I thought was incredibly clever. <laughs> that's that's very clever. I do like that. I might steal that as my own. Um, but here's <laughs> the thing. like Your style of play over the last two to three, so the last two seasons with, with Poch making you title contenders, has been focused on your own home pitches, which, which is what teams doing. Why Iron Lane was quite a tight pitch. Wembley's massive. So you, you put it onto that huge pitch and you lose Toby Wanyama and Rose, who would be key to your controlling style. Mm-hmm. That's enormous. The fact that you're only two points off top four is not a sign of any regression from Spurs, regardless of what people may want to believe. It's a sign of a brilliantly run team a brilliantly managed team and a phenomenally gifted group of players and I, I personally think Spurs are easily the second best team in the league regardless what the league table shows for the third year in a row for the third year in a row but like <laughs> I say I mean and the thing is it's not like you're still behind Chelsea you're, you're better than Chelsea now mm. you're better you're better than Leicester who were better than you so you've been getting better as they've been getting worse yeah. it's just that City have taken such a quantum leap but for me like Playing on your home pitch is 15 points every season. Yeah. Didn't lose at home there last season. Add 15 points to your current total, Kev. Yeah. At the end of this season, you'll probably be you'd probably be within within seven or eight of City. Just enough for people to say that we bottled the title race. (laughs) Of of course, yeah. You just just enough within range that people can use that as the, the the stick to beat you with. Right. But I mean, there's no doubt to me that this this Spurs team is excellent and will get better. Mm. And I, I don't for one second believe it's going to get broken up. That's it. Um, that's... I just want to make one last point on Lucas, um, just because I haven't had a chance to say this anywhere yet, weirdly. Um, and it was to the people that were concerned that we were taking Lucas over Malcolm and saying it was a short-sighted option. I just need our fan base to just take a breath and realize that this is the signing they've been crying out for since Vondervaart. This is the unlimited potential, not getting minutes at a big club, coming to us for cheap, low wages, low expectations, gets to move to London, gets to play in the Champions League. Since Vondervaart, every window 
People have been asking where the next Vondervaart signing was, and they ignored it when it was right in front of their faces. And it is so frustrating. That is the level of impact Lucas can have on this club. If things fall right, if we start playing a formation that benefits him, if he if we play a formation long enough with a right winger, mm. he will make it his own. He is yeah. instantly one of Tottenham's 11 most talented players. And that is not an easy 11 to crack, which is why it's taken this long for us to do it. We've mentioned yeah. in past windows, yes, we needed pace. We tried it with Nkudu and NG. We tried to get a player in young and then grow them into the player we needed there. Because the question wasn't, can you find pace? Or can you find pace in your budget? It's, can you find pace that actually improves the team? Can you find a player with pace that's better at his role than any of Della is at his, or Erickson is at his, or Son is at his? Because you have to put him on the pitch. And in Lucas, we will have that long term. Uh, To wrap up with outs, Marcus Edwards, our highest prospect, um, goes to Norwich, obviously has some... Internal issues to work out work ethic-wise, but the talent is just remarkable. Incredible. And Kudu goes to Burnley. Anton Walks, uh, who I think has a little more to him than other people may think, did very well at Atlanta, um, is now going on loan in England. Uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers was recalled, then re-loaned, and Shayon Harrison goes on loan as well. Um, For Tottenham, holding on to everybody, as you pointed out, everybody coming back, finally addressing the right-wing pace issue. I'm giving Tottenham uh, a minus. Yeah, and here's the other thing as well for Spurs fans complaining about going for Lucas Moura, who maybe hasn't reached his full potential elsewhere, over Malcolm, who could come in and reach his full potential with you guys. Mm. Um, the core of your team is is Toby and Jan, and Hugo Lloris, Kobe, Toby and Jan, Wanyama and Ericsson and, and Kane. Right, mm-hmm. They're your established top-end players. And they're all, like, Kane is, what, 24, 25 yeah. now? But the rest of them are beyond that. Like, some of them are approaching 30 or, or, or in their True. 30s. Yeah. Jan, Jan Mora and is Mo- Hugo, I think, are both 30 now. Exactly. Mora is on that timeline. Malcolm is three to four years behind him. He's on the timeline of Delhi Ali. Yeah. And it's fine to have Delhi developing as, like, the leader of the next great Spurs team behind those stays. guys. Yep. If he stays. Which I, I do think he will because you're the club that took the chance on him. You gave him this this incredible, you know, platform to to develop on, and he would not be a hundred million pound player at any other club because he wouldn't have got the minutes that that Pochettino gave him. So, I mean, the other thing, and with Malcolm as well, I mean, you just mentioned Marcus Edwards. He's he's the best young player you've got. He's maybe one of the better young players in the entire country, and Malcolm could block his progress. And I know they True. play slightly different positions, but you do risk. But that. Edwards you has that outlet on out. the right wing if if we can of give course. him minutes. But you do want to find find out what Edwards Edwards is before you completely like you know block his path with it with a, a forty five million Brazilian. But that's the thing, like you have to buy. Spurs are in a position to buy for now because, like you, like I've been saying, you're the second best team in the league. I think you're going to get second again this year. Now you get all your guys back. Next season you're in your new home stadium, which is going to give you a massive boost. You've now got that as a new selling point to new signings. If you and the thing is, you're now buying not to make a position good, but to make it great because you've got good players in all positions. In fact, you've almost got two good players in pretty much every position, bar that midfield role where Dembele is one. He's very good, but Sissoko's the other one and he's dross. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you an A- minus as well. It would be an A- plus if you'd sold Sissoko, <laughs> but it's an A-. minus. Yeah. Um, then uh, Watford, fortunately, are going to be very quick because we're 
rapidly running out of time. They bring in Dulafeu on loan. Uh, just quick take: Do you think he lives up to his potential? Oh yeah. no, I think I think I think he's busted flush, and I think they needed much much more. Agreed. They need a striker. They need two center backs. They need probably a left back and a goalkeeper. Um, yeah. And Dong is pointless. They already have uh, Decore. They already have Kapu. Um, they're getting um, oh somebody's injured and coming back. Oh Chalaba. This is a very, very strange deal to bring in in Dong, even if it is on loan. Um, Moving on to West Brom, uh, this is one of the better windows. I know I just said we have to rush, but I do want to take a little bit of time on them. Yeah, I love this window as well. The Hakazi loan turns into a buy. They Mm. bring in his international teammate, Ali Gabur. I know that's a thing we talk about a lot, is just bring in his international teammate, see what happens. This is a loan with a 1.5 million buy. He is not the finished product yet. Um, No. Not trying to pretend that he is, but just an interesting link for that one. They bring in Sturridge on loan, who I brought up the stats on earlier, but obviously bring something that Rondon, who I do rate, does not provide. Jay Rodriguez, I think, is more of a winger than a forward. Um, mm. Sturridge, they bring in on loan. High profile, puts butts in the seats, which they still need to win back after the Pulis era. Um, so I think that's a good thing. And arguably, the biggest deal for them. Wouldn't have been the biggest deal wherever he went, but the biggest deal for them is keeping Johnny Evans. Yeah. Anywhere he goes, he was never going to be one of a team's two best center backs, any of the clubs that were looking at him. But he would have been most of their thirds, maybe their fourth. But at this team, at West Brom, he is vital to them as a leader in that defense, as an actual player who commands that defense, whether it be vocally or or just through his own play. I think them keeping him is arguably their best bit of business, and the other bits weren't bad. See, the thing is, like, Ali Gabber-Gabir... Um, I remember a couple of months ago talking to a couple of Egyptian Liverpool fans um, and saying maybe we should try and buy Higazi um, if West Brom don't take up their option mm-hmm. just to have a, you know an international teammate of, of Salah's there yeah, to keep and, him and sweet because yeah because realistically four and a half million is a drop in the ocean for a top club like Liverpool or Spurs so I was thinking like maybe that's the deal and, and they were literally to a man every one of them said no not him get this guy instead because mm-hmm. he's the next so one. he is yeah yeah he's very highly rated um I look I'm stunned by where they are in the league Kev I thought they had the best window in the summer I think they've had a, a good window here um really like the addition of Sturridge think he's got a big point to prove. And, I mean, look, if they're chasing a game and all of a sudden now they can put Sturridge and Rondon up front mm-hmm. with Rodriguez and um, Matty Phillips out wide. Yep, and then and Burke Cr- is still there. They have Chadley Burke, to come back from injury. That's it. And they've got Krzyzowiak now has found form in midfield. All of a sudden they've got real, real options and real, real talent. I, I just I don't like the appointment of Pardew. In fact, I, it, it's it, of all the mediocre, uninspiring British managers to be appointed <laughs> he's the one that annoys me the most because I think he's just a complete blagger um, and he calls himself the king which bothers me so much but uh, also um, side note got to um, uh, speak with him at the uh, Crystal Palace FC Cincinnati match here in the States and he wears yeah. way too much cologne which I gotta imagine doesn't surprise a lot of people no it doesn't surprise me at all I'd imagine he bathes in the stuff <laughs> I think he's one of you those know, guys that thinks if you cover up bad smell with good smell, you get good smell. Yeah, no, this doesn't work that way. Have a shower, parents. Have a shower, <laughs> son. Um, I'd give the window a B plus. I think it's a good window. Um, I still think they maybe needed one more in the middle of the park. Someone that can really put their foot in the ball and, and dictate the play. Mm. Um, because I think in 
Pijoyak and Livermore and Jakob, they've got guys that can physically dominate a game, but yeah, not in terms of that. Yeah, exactly. None of that. They don't really have a finesse ball player. Um, even someone like if like Rocky Messi on loan would have been ideal for mm-hmm. them if they could. But I doubt Swansea would have sent him there. But that kind of profile. So I think they needed a little bit more, but I do like the moves. And like, like you say, keeping Evans is great because, look, he's going to go in the summer. We may yeah. all just accept that now. But they're going to need him because they're in a fight for their lives. And I, I, if they go down, I'd be a bit worried um, about what kind of financial state they'll be in because they, they've played it a little mm. bit fast. and They gave Pulis a lot of money, which yeah. you should never do. <laughs> um, yeah, it is worth yeah. noting just the happiness of the fan base. Um, Dan oh, yeah. came on on deadline day and talked about how like this is the most excited they've been. And he said at the start of the season, this is the most talented West Brom team that he's seen with his own eyes. Yeah. And it just wasn't right. coming together under Pulis. Um, and so, yeah, I, I I like this window. I'm giving it an A. I, I see what you're saying with a deep-lying playmaker. Um, but with the talent that they have, they should be nowhere near this area. And even though I know Rardieu <laughs> has his own issues, they're actually coming out and playing football. Uh, and now they yeah. have a lot of options that can really bolster them. Agreed. I, I really, I really hope this stay up largely because I really like Dan. I think he's a great guy and mm-hmm. he runs a great website. And I like the Hawthorns. Very, very. I got to go last. And time. I like the Hawthorns. Yeah. And the fact that Sturridge is going there. And like, the thing for me is Sturridge has been at Liverpool five years and he never got a song. The fans never really like loved him the way they should have. Mm-hmm. This guy came to Liverpool and scored at a rate quicker than Torres, which is incredible. Never got a song. Never got the adoration got slated for his injury record when the likes of Lallana and Henderson have much worse injury records. Yeah. I think it's because the game comes really naturally to him and he often looks like he's not trying all that hard. And Deli Ali can be a little bit the same way in Emery Chan. Players with that immense natural talent don't always have to try to get the results, whereas players with limited natural talent like Jordan Henderson has to give everything he's got to get a little bit of return. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, but I think what the West Brom fans will embrace him because he's from the area. They've just lost Cyril Regis, yeah, who is the 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 trailblazer for the black striker or the black footballer, but particularly black strikers in England. Daniel Sturridge is the most black, most talented black striker in twenty years. He, I believe, has more natural talent than Harry Kane. Obviously, Kane has you know reach levels that Sturridge never did but he also has a body that just gives him more because Sturridge's body has failed him. Sturridge has the talent of of a Harry Kane and the mm. body of like a, you know a, a dead person really because it's all, <laughs> it always breaks down but that's Moldy just unfortunate. <laughs> yeah exactly I just hope he does really well. I, I, I want West Brom to say up I really do. Yeah as do I um, sometimes bias is there um, we'll wrap up with West Ham we will not touch on any of those comments if we can get Sean on to do so, uh, I feel like that would be more appropriate than us uh, kind of guessing at that situation. Interesting window. Yeah. They bring in Joe Mario, who has not lived up to his hype, uh, could get a second chance here. Um, they bring in Jordan Hugel to basically re- replace Sako. They bring him in from Preston. Um, on the outs, they obviously sold Andre Ayew, and they send uh, the Reese's Pieces, as I like to call them, Reese Oxford and Reese Burke, both out on loan. Um, the Mario signing, I like. Uh, although I feel like it's kind of making up for the fact that uh, Kuyate has regressed pretty heavily. Um, mm. And Hugo, I, I think, is just depth because you already have Chicharito there, although he might miss this weekend through injury. Um, but then you're going to have Arnautovic back at the end of the month. 
You're probably going to have Carroll back the month after that, and then all of a sudden he's your fourth forward. Uh, but for depth, I get it. $8 million is nothing because it's just the amount of money they sold Diafra Sacco for, who I'm disappointed didn't work out in England. I, I really liked him when I got to see him play. Um, but anyway, that's the West Ham window. We're, we're quickly running out of time. So if you want to just hit me with a letter grade. Yeah, I like Jem Mario, and they've done nothing else. So I give them a C. I think they needed more. They've got holes in that team. But all in all, I give them a C. Yeah, agreed. And I think when they're going to be fit, they'll, they'll be fine. Although the Lanzini injury could be more derailing than the Arnautovic yeah. one. <laughs> all right, we're just going to wrap up with a quick um, uh, superlatives and stuff. Best window I'm giving to West Brom. Um, yeah, I think... Do you know what? I actually think I'll give it to City. Okay. Because I think I just I love the signing and I think it, it's really setting them up for, the for now and the and the long term with not only Laporta but the, the guys they brought in the younger signings the, the guy from from New York City and uh, and that I just think they're so smart I think they're doing brilliantly there agreed um, well I don't agree with your choice I agree with your logic um, <laughs> worst window for me at Southampton it's not even close yeah yeah I, a shambles an absolute shambles. Yeah, it's just super, super duper horrible. I know we're going to disagree on this and we could do a whole other show. Best signing for me is Alexis. You get rid of a one away player, you get the talent in the door, you figure it out later. I, I agree he's the best player that moved and United got the best player. I just don't know how it all works. Um, for me, I think the best signing, I think I think West Brom needed goals and I think they get that with Daniel Sturridge, but it, it's it's... I don't know. I don't think there's one that just jumps out at me, really. I, hmm. Lucas Mora. I'll go Lucas Mora because I think he's exactly what Spurs need. And I think he can be a transcendent player for them. You mentioned Van, Van der Vaart earlier. I love the comparison, not obviously in terms of the style. Yeah, but, yeah. but that that player who was was tagged as a superstar, made the wrong career move. And then corrected it. Stalled. And corrected, and I think he'll. I think he'll fly under under Pochettino. Very much appreciate that. The next category is best value, and that's where I put Lucas because in 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 the transfer window where everything was crazy expensive, I think Lucas at twenty three million is an absolute steal. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree completely. I think it's it's a it's a, an absolute bargain. I'm going to say Mkhitaryan because Fair. realistically, to me. Although Alexis is probably worth forty to fifty million, how much is he really worth with six months left? Mm. You were losing him for free in the summer, and you get a guy who wants to be at your club with a massive point to prove. Who two years ago was one of the best players in Europe, mm-hmm. and you get him locked in for long term. I'll say Henrik Mkhitaryan. Yeah, absolutely fair. Um, biggest unaddressed issue uh, for me is a tie between Palace goalkeeper and Swansea number ten. Yeah, I'd say I'd say Palace goalkeeper is is a huge one because it's just been it's been a bit of a shit show there for them this season. Swansea needed a number ten or a number nine. Um, yeah, w- one of those. Yeah, or or um, Watford centre back mm-hmm. badly badly need a centre back, and you go and you loan and Dong, who's a defensive midfielder, and you've got eight of them already. Yeah, very very strange. Uh, best loan. Um, going out on a limb here, I'm going to say uh, Slomani. Like I said, it could either really work or really not work. I'm leaning towards it'll work. I'll go Sturridge. Yeah, fair. I, th- I think Sturridge is the best player who's moved on loan. Cool. Uh, and then weirdest for me is the Giroud weird three-way that was created by the selling of Diego Costa, despite him just helping you win a title. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the Chelsea is the weirdest. 
yeah. in any way possible because it, it just looked like it's all about to blow up there. Yeah, very, very strange indeed. All right, that is our wrap-up of uh, this Deadline Day special. Again, you can find the first half over on Anfield Index. Uh, Dave, tell the folks where they can find you. Um, on Anfield Index, we do Anfield Index Pro for any Liverpool fans out there. There's a free trial at the moment, free seven days, and it's a fiver a month, and it's it's brilliant. We've got Jan Mulby and other ex-pros that come on regularly. Uh, Mulby's on every week, and, um, yeah, it's great. So uh, I'm at, at Dave Hendrick underscore on Twitter, but I, my account's locked because I, I just don't want to talk to people. <laughs> um, but if you do uh, end up getting in, lots of good stuff about prospects and stuff, although you might be able to see his tweets when I talk about them. Uh, not really sure how that works. Um, I'm Kevin DeVries, your host at Kevroff on Twitter. You can find my writings over at Goal.com. Be sure to check out both the fantasy and championship shows that show up on this very channel. Dave, it was a great pleasure working with you. I'm not sure how many hours of our <laughs> double special we just recorded will yeah. end up going to public. But, uh, <laughs> it was meant to be a two-hour podcast that is now three and a half hours. <laughs> um, so, yeah, gags, uh, gags, sorry. Um yeah, Guy Guy Drinkle, who had to edit the Anfield Index half of this. Sorry, Kev, you got to edit your half. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. sorry. But loads. Of but it was always going to happen. Yeah, it was, it was always, always going to happen. happen. Maybe, maybe we'll do like a super cut, like a director's cut. I don't know. Um, but anyway, always great speaking with you. The reason it runs yeah. so long is I think we're pretty like-minded in football, and we always get into some pretty interesting stuff. So very uh, glad to have had you join us, people at home. We hope you enjoyed it as well, and we'll catch you next time. 